The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 91. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Pete, you say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the fifth episode of Season 5, Red Sky. Not to be confused with Red Dawn. <laughs> uh, do you want to give us a summary of this episode, Victor? Yeah, I was about to say uh, Russian and Cuban troops land in a small town in Colorado <laughs> and immediately <laughs> take control of the entire American West. Uh, no, that is that is Red Dawn, which is a, a very fine film, I guess, if you hate happy endings. Um, <laughs> this episode is does have a happy ending, though, so kind of. Um, so the SGC goes through a wormhole and lands on a planet. And the planet is filled with pilgrims who worship the Asgard. Um, It soon becomes very clear, though, once after they arrive, that the sun has changed color and is actually turning more and more red. Uh, Carter investigates and determines that the safeguards uh, that usually exist for wormhole travel uh, were overridden by the SGC when they came through. And this may have caused a heavy element to be introduced into the sun causing it to, uh, you know, burn out and turn red, which will kill all life on the planet. Um, the SGC visits with uh, Freyr, the Asgard who is protecting the planet, and asks if there's anything the Asgard can do. And the Asgard say, no, uh, this planet is protected by the treaty with the Gould, and if they interfere, it could be big trouble for Earth and the other protected planets, as it would be a violation of the treaty. And the Asgards have their hands full with the replicators and can't possibly defend all the planets. SG-1 attempts to get the people living on the planet to leave and relocate, but uh, they don't want to do that. They have put their trust in Frere, and that's uh, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. And uh, eventually it comes down to the power of uh, Frere, or I mean prayer, um, when <laughs> all hope is lost. Uh, and there's a bit with a rocket we'll discuss later. When all hope is lost, uh, the townsfolk pray. Daniel joins them in prayer, and the sun comes back to life. And it's unclear who may have fixed the sun. Was it uh, a plan that SG-1 had? Was it the Asgard? Daniel isn't so sure. And so that's uh, what's what's going on here, uh, more or less. It's been a couple of days since I've I've watched it, so <laughs> there's there's a <laughs> there's some stuff I'm leaving out. Yeah. There was a lot of interesting things in it, but I feel like the the Viking pilgrim people who lived on the planet were almost kind of an afterthought. Like mm-hmm. they front load them, and then you kind of just don't really see them till the end. Yeah, but yeah, that pretty much describes them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
kind of just were they were a plot device, nothing more. Well, it gives them like, yeah, I mean, it, it gives again, Carter has doomed the world. And this is like, you know, probably the third time in in the past year that she's either blown up a planet, a sun or <laughs> damaged those were sun. on purpose. Yeah, those were on, <laughs> this was an accident. But it, it gives, it, it, you know, gives them some stakes, you know. Ordinarily, they just say, let's let's move the people to that, um, you know, that Greek planet uh, wh- where everybody seemed to get relocated in, in season one. Um, but these people don't want to go. And they've, you know, so there is there is some element of, you know, religious faith versus the more scientific and, and you know, reason with a capital R based approach of the SG-1. Um, which is which is pretty interesting, and it and it leads to some dire consequences in the story, and and some some good Jack moments. This is really a good Jack episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he was. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Um, what are your thoughts on this episode, Father? It's an okay episode. I mean, it's it's it does advance some of the plot. We learn more about the Asgard's um, treaty or with the uh, gold. And why they can't interfere, and part of it, of course, we know, is because of the the replicators are causing too much stress for the Asgard. But part of it too is they, if they interfere here, the entire treaty goes away, and then Gaul can do things like invade Earth and stuff like that. So, so we can learn that. But yeah, like 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 we said here earlier, the uh, the people on the on the planet are kind of an afterthought. They're just the uh, oh no, these are the people we have to save this week. Uh, including the one guy who's who's a perfect match for an internet rad trad personality, <laughs> rad trad personality. Um, but uh, you know, other than that, it's it's a, it's a okay episode. You know, I'm sure it's playing fast and loose with the science. I've already seen a couple of sites where like the rocket wouldn't have worked anyways because it would all burned up before it got anywhere close to the core of the sun, stuff like that. But it's a, it's okay. It, again, it was it was a plot advancing episode. Yeah, all all the science in this, you just got to kind of hand wave. Um... But hey, you can just go with it. It's not a big issue. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about you, Lisa? Um, a couple of things I I really like about the episode overall. I think it's kind of you know it's it's okay. Um, a couple of things. One, I really like the set. They really built the village, which I thought really added great detail. So it was nice looking. And then you put that with the special effect they did, or to make it. The color washed out and then red. Um, so that was, they don't usually build a whole village. So that was kind of nice to see the detail. And then the second thing I liked was <laughs> kind of what you touched on, Victor. Carter is used to like, I'm so smart. I'm going to blow up a sun. And, you know, and this one, she's so smart. She overrode the safety protocols and oops, almost yeah. killed a whole planet of people. So um, it was I guess kind of, I hate to say nice. It was nice to see her mess up. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, I mean, she was affected by it and trying to deal with, you know, she's like, I'm the one that pushed the button, you know, like she felt bad about it. And how do you, and then she's working hard to fix it. And, and we don't know if she fixed it or gave the Asgard a reason to jump in, which probably is the truth. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to see your, your uh, heroes be fallible. And mess up every once in a while. And mm-hmm. then, um, I think as Father Corey said that Jack, it was a good Jack, you know, him getting angry and, and mm-hmm. seeing that real emotion from him about the, 
guys blowing up the rocket and ruining their chances and, you know, just all of the frustration on his part, which came across really real. Yeah. Getting to the point of pulling a gun on a guy and. Oh, he was going to shoot that guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And you can very much see that, you know, in this Mm. kind of situation, you know, that, that you just lost a whole team because of this. And yeah, so I, it was Stargate sometimes can be a little, um, too nicey nice or like oh it'll all be okay you know mm-hmm. and so it was like i said it was kind of nice to see that emotion and that rawness or realness come through for them and of course it's all okay in the end yeah <laughs> yeah and i i don't remember but do we see uh are there any consequences for malchus basically becoming like leading a suicide bomb team to blow up the rocket not really like nothing really it's like he does it but then he's just kind of gone mm-hmm. and then he's back and no, El- other Elred other says he'll deal with it. Deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I think other like you than, said, the village uh, people were with- the village people. They, they were kind of like, <laughs> I don't say irrelevant Elrond. or props. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, I, I disagree because this is a Jack, very Jack centric ap- episode. And there's kind of two forces that he's facing off with here. One of which pushes Jack to the edge and is, is very dramatic. And the other one is, is very funny. I think it's some of the funniest moments in in stargate and so the two forces that jack's pushing up against is the village where you know usually he's used to going into a village and just pushing you know basically pushing the locals around we we joke that there's no prime directive in stargate you know (laughs) whatever oh you need to be migrated you know get through the gate or whatever he's used to just having his way and he runs into these people who to him are backwards thinking obstinate immovable and you can see it drives into the you know and then they you know blow up the rocket which to men of a certain age or anybody, you know, really watching a rocket blow up is just a devastating it, it, like trigger, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you've lived long enough to see some of some rockets blow up in our own space program and stuff. But um, but so that's that's one force that he's pushing up against. And it really drives him to the point where he almost like murders a guy. Right. And so the mm-hmm. villagers aren't inconsequential. They're they're there for Jack to basically butt up against and they won't budge. Jack won't budge. Um. And what's really good about that dynamic is Daniel is in the background and you can barely hear his line. Sometimes he's like, I don't think this is a good idea or this is a bad idea or I don't, (laughs) this isn't going to work, you know, and it's just Daniel being the voice of reason. But he knows in this situation, Jack is so headstrong that he's just going to keep pushing up against this immovable object, which is the, the village people. Um, And then the other force is the Asgard themselves, which I think Jack's seen in the Asgard chamber where, you know, they cut back to him and he's in this cavern, you know, and it's holographically he's in the Asgard chamber. So he's playing to a, a stone wall, literally getting stonewalled by the Asgard. But, you know, we see him and he, and he's talking to the Asgard and he's, you know, basically put on the spot with like no notice. They've just dragged him in front of the Asgard high council. And, you know, there's some really memorable lines in there that, you know, even Daniel picks up on, but, um, it's 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 a very you know it's like you guys Are you all sure look Thor's not here yeah you guys <laughs> yeah. all look uh you know we've saved your skinny gray butts you know yeah which yeah. is i think it's some of the funniest um some of the funniest writing and some of the funniest uh acting out of jack uh, in in the entire show so there's there's those those two forces and one is played for laughs and one is played for for drama um like I said, to the point where, where Jack almost murders one of the one of the villagers because, you know, he's so frustrated and upset and, and angry at them. And Jack's ready to write off the entire race of people here. And it's up to Daniel and Carter and Teal, who I think gets two lines. But one of them is to 
intercede <laughs> on behalf of the the village people. So yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think the village people are are relevant. I mean, they're relevant maybe to the scientific plot, but to the Jack story, I mean, it, it's very relevant because like we haven't really seen a native culture push them that far to the edge. Yeah. It really makes you wonder at what point does the SGC think they need to have some sort of like diplomatic training for their, for their lead team? (laughs) I don't think, I don't think Jack's gotten any. And why is he always the one, right? I mean, he's the one that has to go in and negotiate and the Asgard are always picking him. And it's not suddenly he's going to get any better at this. I think they like how choleric he is. I think they're entertained yeah. by it, and that's why they like to work with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They like his personality. Yeah. yeah. Well, we learn later that the Asgard genetically and Phyllis, well, they've even mentioned that too. They they have a very stale way of thinking. They've This came in in the end of season uh, three, right? You know, and they, they need the mm-hmm. humans for their unique perspective and um, more primitive way of thinking because over the years they've become cloned and cloned and set in their ways. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole, the whole issue with the reason that the Asgard cannot intervene is because it would violate the rules of the treaty, the protected mm-hmm. planets treaty that they have with the gold. But I kind of wonder like, doesn't influencing the religious beliefs of these people what doesn't that count as interfering? Or I guess is that grandfathered in because they'd already That's, been doing it? Both sides are doing it, so I suppose yeah. they figure it That's doesn't true. matter either way. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing that could really, really help them. That's the one thing the gold would be okay with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's their whole thing. But and it's, it's really it gonna... it's really using technology to save them mm-hmm. because that would be advancing on their behalf, their technology beyond the natural development and giving access to Asgard technology to these mm-hmm. primitive people. So that's what the yeah. gold don't want. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, what's keeping the treaty alive and, and in place is the, the thought that the gold think that, oh, the Asgard could come and kick our butts again. Mm-hmm. And we find out, we start to hear here, and then later on gets even more explicit, the Asgard really can't defend the treaty anymore. Yeah, they're a paper tiger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Gwaul doesn't know that, so they show up just enough times to cause trouble for the Gwaul, and they, oh, yeah, we better, we, we move too far. Back up, back up. Let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'd like to see, uh, I would have liked to see more of uh, Elrod the Elder and just more interaction with the the people in the village. I think that would be, that was my chief mm-hmm. issue with the episode is that you kind of just get him saying like these kind of like, he's just, he's very docile to the team. And then Malchus is the complete opposite, but you don't really get any more, any more out of them than that. I guess, I guess that works for the episode, but yeah, it was hard to like care about what was going to happen to these people because you didn't really know any of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Most of the people are just filler in the background. But even even some of that was really nice. There's a point I think where where Jack is talking to Sam about like what's going on, how they broke the sun, how how she might fix it, and they're talking kind of out on the on on the street and way in the background in a second story window, you can see like a mom and a daughter kind of like looking out, like watching them, like what are they talking about? You know, are they yeah. talking about <laughs> us? You know, type thing. And so there's a lot of like really really cool little uh, you know background things going on in the background uh, 
uh, as well. So, the, you know, the village is alive, too, in addition to the sets. You know, there's activity mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. in the village. There's mm-hmm. a lot of extras running around. It's not like some later village episodes we'll see where there's, you know, no, nobody out. You know, well, we've already seen plenty of those where the village yeah. is like the town square and there's like one person in the town square. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they really went all out with the village in this one. Mm-hmm. It's Florida's like, friendliest home, uh, hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Long I village. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they used, uh, I think I saw somewhere that they used um, Christ the Redeemer Church in uh, mm-hmm. Surrey, British Columbia mm, yep. as the set for the temple. So Yeah, it looks like yeah. it's a historic church that, you know, the, the, there's a new church that was built, but that was the historic church. Mm-hmm. That they used. I think I read somewhere they had to take out the they got lights. They took out the lights mm. to make it look old, mm. but that's all they had to do. Oh, cool! Nice. It's pretty awesome. Well, it looked good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like though. You know, they they do their uh, when they go go to the the, the hall of wisdom. You know, <laughs> the 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 leader does his prayer, and then of course, then he touches the button which activates it. So of course, what does Daniel do? Well, he starts saying this prayer, and Jack just kind of goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pushes the button. <laughs> I also liked about that scene, like Jack's obviously in, in, impatient to talk to the Asgard and, and you know go through the motions with the hologram and stuff. So when they say like take us to the Hall of Wisdom and they walk into the church and Jack goes, Is this the Hall of Wisdom? And I think it's Elrod looks at him or Elrod looks at him and goes, yep. No, this is a temple. The Hall of Wisdom is <laughs> yeah. then, you know it's like does this look like a hall of wisdom to you? No, this is yeah. where we do our religious services. Or where they're in the hall of wisdom and Carter starts messing with stuff and all the power goes off. Yeah. And I forgot who it was that said something about being trapped under, yeah. you know, wherever they are, trapped underground. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know. yeah. Well, we've either made contact with the Asgard or trapped ourselves deep within a vault of solid rock. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, yeah, Daniel's uh, very good in this episode with his side comments. Yeah. Yeah, he provides a good foil for uh, Jack's just belligerentness. But but he, he's not as forceful in his passion. I mean, he is kind of mm-hmm. towards the end when he's imploring them not to give up on the the Katow, because um, that's the name of the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and but even he knows that when Jack is set his mind to something it's very hard to to change him i did appreciate though as i mentioned before in the summary that you know all the people are are praying and it's you know carter's plan appears to have failed you know imploring the asgard appears to have failed and finally um you know the townspeople are praying and daniel for the first or maybe second time in the show actually joins them in prayer and says a prayer on their behalf and then as he's turning to leave that's when um you know the sun perks back up and so we get at the end, it's like, well, maybe the Asgard did intervene. And Daniel goes, I'm not so sure. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to convert to Frerism, but it's a compelling argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so uh, their plan with the rocket is to launch this exotic uh, element that does not occur in nature. That's called uh, HU 2340 into the star so it can bind with the plutonium and maclarium maclarium yeah maclarium yep just just so happens that the exact element they need is something that's being produced on earth even a little bit at a time and (laughs) they can get a hold of it just so happens exact amount they need i think any super heavy element would have worked that's just the one that 
they could get their hands on. Well, I like that. So they bring in the scientist who's who's making it, uh, Douglas McLaren, who they name it McLarium after him. And they introduce him in a way that it seems like, like for a minute, I had to look it up because I was like, has mm-hmm. he, have we seen this guy before? Because the way they bring him in, it seems like he's been introduced before. Like Carter mm-hmm. seems like she knows him. And I looked it up and this is his only appearance, but yep. he hands him this super heavy exotic element that I presume you have to use a particle accelerator to even create. And like yeah. a little like test tube. It's like, it would probably need to be in some sort of giant, like magnetically sealed, uh, like nitrogen cooled container or something, not just in a tube. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, uh, they said, uh, that it took him five years to produce as much as he had in that little mm-hmm. bottle. Yep. So, but also in that scene, we get to see our director, uh, Martin Wood mm-hmm. as major wood. Uh, he's the guy with the wrench helping Siler on the, <laughs> on the rocket parts and stuff there. Siler or the oh, wrench. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's featured quite prominently in in this episode. We've seen him kind of in the background in the past, but this is our best look at him, I think. You know, it it is kind of funny, though, when you think about how, you know, plants go around their suns and everything, that they haven't had this problem before Mm. with the Stargate. Yeah. You know, maybe there's something about it will curve, you know, if it needs to kind of curve the wormhole or something, I don't know. But but it's like, you'd think that this wouldn't be the first time that they've had problems making a connection because... Earth is behind our sun, and the planet is behind their sun, and it's just lined up right. And this also explains, yeah, so they, they turn off the safeguards on their, their Stargate. Um, and that ex- they use that to explain why in the movie and then in the first few episodes, it's like a really, really rough ride through the Stargate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of fine-tuned it and figured out how to align it better. But yeah, it's, it seems like they would have done more testing with uh messing with the settings but hey who knows it it is interesting that we're fifth season and they're they're telling us why the first few the movie and yeah. the first few see the first few episodes it was so rough i just thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> yeah. that like been five years yeah, they, they, not they, a peep and then now we're gonna go back and explain it i just Maybe because they could, you know. Yeah, I, I seem to recall that there was kind of a hand wave of, well, I tweaked a few things in right. the dialogue computer, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. You know, in episode four or five, yeah. You didn't say anything about what she did. It's just, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of tuned the the dialing computer a little bit, and we're good to go now. <laughs> right. I turned up the thermostat so you don't come out of the wormhole freezing like. <laughs> yeah. <she did. laughs> Turned off the firewall. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> you can do that, but. You're not safe for long. <laughs> I just like when the Asgard's like, well, there are safety protocols. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, about I'm smarter that. than your safety protocols. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell us about them? And the Asgard are basically like, yeah, we probably should have, but oh, well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not the Asgard's responsibility to undo every mistake you make with technology that is advanced beyond your knowledge. It's basically... <laughs> And, and the Asgard are so awesome here. They have, they have excellent points. Jack has excellent points to, um, it, it, you know, like we've saved you fix the damn sun. He's, he says at some point, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, We're it's a really a mark. Yeah. 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 Calling in a marker, you know, work some of that Asgard magic. He says to Freyr and Freyr's like, are you implying that our technology is trickery? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so just his interactions, like there it's like, I think I, like I said, I think it's some of the funniest you know, dialogue and, and the way it's performed too, because, you know, Jack is basically acting, you know, to a stone wall while, mm-hmm. you know, he's also in the Asgard chamber. So 
Yeah, I thought that was neat. I also like that there were some empty uh, council seats, you know, in the Asgard, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, council room. Like they couldn't get everybody together on such short notice. There Mm -hmm. may be people out flying around in spaceships that can't hologram in or something. Mm -hmm. So, like Ray says, is Thor here? Because, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can I talk to Thor? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When he starts, uh, Thor's not here. Yeah. Yeah. When he starts talking about, uh, Freyr and that like he's not there and Freyr's like I'm, I'm right here yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I like the way they do that because I'm assuming they use the same puppet for all of them probably it, it, just it's, so it is lighting, kind of yeah. funny because we're all going yep. how do you know you know who's who or whatever if you're yeah. exactly the same they're clones <laughs> I mean they're exactly the same maybe it's yep. the sweet medallions they're wearing like that one has like a flav, flav-, flav- thing going on <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> I did like that when Jack said, "Well, we'll risk it," you know, waving the treaty. Oh, you help us, and we'll we'll risk it. And he says, mm. "You can't, you can't speak for your entire planet, and by waving it for your planet, you're waving it for all of these planets." And so mm-hmm. that you just, you know, you can't do that. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, immoral. It's you know, all kinds of bad stuff. So I, th- I like the. Letting us know that it was a much bigger issue and that the Asgard have everybody in mind. Yeah, I I don't understand how this treaty works. I've mentioned it before (laughs) on the podcast because, like, the humans, one of Asgard protected planets, are actively waging war against the Gould. They've blown up multiple (laughs) Gould motherships. They've killed multiple Gould system lords. Using technology that that is not within their natural development. I don't know if it's it's not specifically Asgard technology, maybe, but well, but the, the, that comes the later. Are, yeah, the humans are are taking the uh, gold technology yeah. and using it mm-hmm. against them. At least you know, not counting the star the Stargate itself, which we know is ancient. But mm-hmm. still, yeah, it's like well, they're protected by the Asgard, but the Asgard are letting them uh, raise yeah. cane all over the mm-hmm. cosmos as a part of the treaty. The Asgard don't have to restrict the humans. The, the, the treaty is between the Asgard and the Gould, right? Mm-hmm. So the Asgard can't help or advance the humans. But I don't remember it saying that the humans can't go out there and create a ruckus. Yeah, it's still like a weird treaty, though. It's like I can, I can attack you as much as I want using, you know, whatever means are at my disposal. But if you attack me, then the Asgard will protect me type thing. It's like some weird NATO or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I guess it's basically just a non-aggression agreement against yeah. those two, but I, well, I think it's have proxy wars. I think it's because the Asgard and the Gould are both so arrogant that they just don't truly believe that humans or any of these little planet people could ever, ever do anything that would really, really damage them. They, they no. just don't think it's possible. Only the Asgard and the Gould, you know, are big, big enough and powerful enough to really hurt each other. So everybody else well, is kind of irrelevant in that way. Well, and also the treaty is for that they can't attack Earth. It's not mm-hmm. they can't attack the humans. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, how many, you know, Alpha bases and beta bases did they have they had in this series or the Asgard destroy them? Yeah, that's you know? true. true. And they you know, attack you set up, them when you they're set up a base on another planet and it gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, and they do go after them when they run into them out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not the humans in particular. It's Earth. So they can't attack our home world, but they can attack elsewhere. No. Still, still odd terms, but yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you'd think at this point that the gold would realize that the humans are an actual threat because they've killed like four or five of them by now. <laughs> they, but, they know they're an actual threat. They're just too, you know, full of themselves and fighting amongst <laughs> themselves to do anything about it. Right. Very one track mind. Yep. And, and probably in some way they think, oh, that's fine. You knocked off so and so. That's just, that's good for me because I can absorb their uh, ships and people and warriors and I'll grow stronger and mm-hmm. whatever. You just help me out there. Oh, that's actually what the Toker think too, isn't it? True, yeah. Because the Toker like don't Game like it. Game of Thrones, but with worms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game of worms. <laughs> yeah. One thing, um, once we get, ex- uh, not speaking earlier, we we're talking about, you know, getting explanations. We also get an explanation of what happens if the wormhole uh, terminates before they get to their destination. Oh, yeah. And it says mm-hmm. basically get scattered into their element parts, which if you're trying to release an element to the middle of the sun is exactly what you want it to do. But if a human being was out in space and that happened, oops. Yeah. You're <laughs> not going to influence the sun too much with a handful of carbon or whatever. So, no. Yeah. I'd also wonder with uh, with that heavy element they have, like, got like a film canister's worth right there. Is that really going to have any effect on a sun? Apparently Probably that much not. plutonium coming down the wormhole did it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Again, got to hand wave the, the physics. Yeah. Thing, whatever. <laughs> it didn't affect the, I mean, it didn't affect the sun that much. It just made it a little bit more red, right? It didn't blow it up. It just made it red no. enough that the crops yeah, the, wouldn't grow anymore. The, that was, that was the concern is yeah. photosynthesis wouldn't happen with the red color. So then they couldn't have crops and they'd die. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Like, if our sun just changed color a little bit, like, would we all die? That makes you think. I guess would plants, like, eventually <laughs> evolve to have black leaves? Because that would absorb more red light? Like, in millions millions of years, maybe. Yeah. Assuming any plants survive to evolve. Yeah. True. And in, in Wally's boot or whatever. In a greenhouse. <laughs> in a refrigerator, Yeah. <laughs> What was that movie from the seventies where they had all the like the greenhouse and the space station and Earth was devastated? Mm. Uh not Zardoz. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's a very different movie. Um <laughs> Yeah. There's there's been a couple of a uh, couple of movies. There was an episode of Doctor Who where there was a arc in space where it yeah. it was a basically a, a space station orbiting Earth that had been wiped out. Yeah. Well, even think about Battlestar Galactica. They had mm-hmm. big greenhouses to grow yep. food and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that got blown up, too. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked yeah. Elrad's hat. He had a really cool it was, hat. It was a pretty cowboy yeah. hat, sort yeah. of, wasn't it? Yeah, it was El Rad. He was not El Cid. He was El Rad. Kind of a kind of a cross between a cowboy hat and a, a Saturnal, the priest Saturnal. Yeah, yeah. I I don't get why they're pilgrims, but I think they kind of had a mixed. Like all of the costumes were a little mixed in their time frame yeah. and themes. But costume department went out prayer. on this one. I mean, yeah. they had some. They did yeah. I mean, well, puffy said, sleeves and, you know, some big stuff going on. Well, and Daniel said that this is what would happen if the Vikings evolved into modern day. You know, it's, but modernity, so it's primitive. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, but maybe I, I didn't yeah. quite get the 
Norwegian influence or the, the Vikings influence on that, but Mm-mm. maybe yeah. their thought was a lot of people in England are descended from Vikings when they came over there and pilgrims are from England. And so therefore could be, I don't know. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do something cheesy where they were had like modernized, like stereotypical Viking, like horns on their hats or something. Like they kept it, <laughs> they kept it subtle. So that, that's what like, his hat is made out of it. That, like, that's the modern day version of the horns, like <laughs> Thor two or something. You know, that yeah. is yeah. funny that yeah. all of this Norse mythology, we, we never see the Viking, you know, like except for on Thor and stuff. Yeah. Except for the, the holograms. Yeah. That see, that would have been fun. Did, does this, didn't the summit, the Sumerians, Sumerians or whatever they were called, like on Thor's planet. Didn't they have like Viking helmets at some point? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess a yeah, few they did. did. But they were less yeah. advanced. Yeah. Yeah, they were like OG Vikings. Yeah. OG Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to go look up uh, like 18th century clothes and fashion styles that people wore in <laughs> Norway. Maybe this is what they wore. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, well, yeah. Could, like they, Hans Christian Andersen or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had flowers and fruit. And like I said, they really went all out on this between the, the oh, yeah. clothes and the set and the, I mean, lots of extras and kind of <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe they hadn't, um, everything came in under budget. And so they're going yeah. all well, out you on know, everything else. It's also like the fruit, you know, like there's a one, one thing you could tell it was some kind of strange pear, you know, or yeah. it was like a pear, but it was just <laughs> the one where, where, uh, Sam is trying to explain and, he says that's comparing apples to whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another moment I really liked is they, they get through the gate and they're greeted by the villagers and they have a fruit basket and Jack without thinking just like says, Hey, what have we got in there? Yeah. And just pops the fruit <laughs> and just, just going through it. Yeah. Just like, like we, we need to know if you're going to be like deathly allergic to whatever <laughs> this was grown in or something. Like hungry, some, apparently. some soil toxin or parasite that you're not familiar with. I did listen to the commentary on the DVD today mm, and nice. um, they said, Hey, that was Alib. That is okay. Richard Anderson. Like, Oh, what's in here? That's um, and Amanda tapping was on the commentary. So it was kind of funny because she, Specifically mentioned the using science, using fruit to explain science. Yep. She said she hates that. Absolutely hates it. That is the <laughs> like most horrible thing. And they do it to her all the time. And she just doesn't, just, yeah, she doesn't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's, she's like, there jolt. I am explaining science with fruit, you know. <laughs> they, should a, they should use a Twinkie like in Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's a big Twinkie. That's a big Twinkie. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, uh, I looked up. 18th century Norwegian clothing, and at least for the women, they have like those big whipples, whipple nun looking thingies. So I guess that's what they were pulling from because it looks oh, wow. just like that. So ne- never doubt oh. the costume designers; they're the go. most they're the most detail oriented people mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. ever meet. And of course, usually you get one line: "Look like modern day Vikings, <laughs> yeah, modern day Norwegians, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fun. It makes it funny that Daniel would say this is what Vikings would be like if they if, like survived till modern times. And that's- well, I think he said modernity, which is you know when did modernity start? Like the seventeen? I don't know. Something yeah, seventeenth like century. Yeah, yeah, seventeenth century. So sixteen hundreds, I think. So mm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Leave us a, <laughs> leave us a reply in the comments if I've totally 
butchered when modernity started and need to go back to school. Please tell us everything that we're wrong about, yeah. about a Norwegian fashion and if I missed you, If I missed use the word Whipple, please, please let me know. <laughs> Mr. Whipple? Oh, wait, that Mr. was a yeah. is that yeah. toilet paper commercial? No. Yeah. Squeeze the Charmin. Don't squeeze the Charmin. No. Don't squeeze the Charmin. This was, that was a big problem in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Made you want to go to the grocery store. Squeeze the yeah. Charmin. <laughs> I have no idea what y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so they would set up huge displays of Charmin toilet paper and creepy looking guys in these commercials would come by and pick it up and go like, eh. And then Mr. Whipple worked in the store and he'd go like, don't squeeze the Charmin. <laughs> These are 1970s, early 80s commercials. <laughs> Big laugh every time. Yeah. Hey, we remembered it, didn't afterwards. we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nowadays we just have the creepy bears who are obsessed yep. with toilet oh, paper. Oh, yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, and, and for some reason, like, toilet paper sticks to them at a abnormal An alarming rate. rate. <laughs> yeah. And, and for some reason, they're not out the woods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least they're cartoons. <laughs> Thank goodness. This episode yeah. is not sponsored by Sean, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we, though we will take uh, any sponsorship yep. ideas. Contact Dom at, no. <laughs> Get the best sleep of your life uh, <laughs> by going to bed early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, did y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? Um, yeah. Just one, one thing they call the Stargate the Annulus, mm -hmm. which yep. is means ring. It just oh. means ring. Ah. Hmm. Or it's, it's mathematically, it's if you take two circles one side to the other, you fill in between the two circles. That's the annulus. Ah, and so that's of course rings look like that. That's good, and that's not at all what I thought they were saying. So I'm glad that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> were you missing a few letters? <laughs> we back to Charmin. Vowels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. I was I was waiting for Jack to make that joke, but fortunately, yeah, he didn't. And he called it the annulus once correctly. Mm -hmm. which was correctly, like, yeah. Yeah. He, he got some of the science correct. I did like his uh, oh, yeah. his interactions with Sam. He's like, you know, j okay, just fix it, whatever. Go go back to the SGC and confuse Hammond. Yeah. yeah. Another <laughs> great line. But isn't yeah. this one he said something and he's like, I got it right. Was that yeah. this episode? Yeah. Was that last episode? Yeah, he, exp he explained remember. something. Well, then there's a... Where she's explaining her plan to basically, you know, drop this element into the into the star and... And says, I thought this was a one in a million chance. And she goes, well, now, it's, now the odds are up to 1%. Jack goes, well, that's good, because I only understand about 1% of what she says anyways. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she makes psychobabble. Psychobabble, that sounded bad. Uh, Technobabble sound, sound really easy and good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of really good, you know, Jack moments in this. He wonders if he has a stroke twice, you know, when twice. the uh, when the sun, because uh, the color of the sun changes. <laughs> which, if you were out and about and that happened, you might uh, wonder if there was some sort of a blood flow <laughs> issue in your brain. Cataracts are coming on quick. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, before we go, we'd like to. Uh, Thank a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Jeffrey W., Dennis H., Daniel M., Anne M., and Ron L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Rite of Passage. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. The elves are the harbinger of our doom. And also thanks, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the elves. (laughs) Once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?